My agent called, he said he got some interest in my script I'm glad I didn't tell him that I never finished it I got my cast of characters and outline for the plot I even got a famous classic case of writer's block Get it out of my head 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 Get it out of your head And onto the page Get it out of your head And onto the page Get it out of your head And onto the page Get it out of your head And onto the page Welcome to On the Page. This is the podcast that answers all of your questions about the craft and business of screenwriting. My name is Pilar Alessandra, and I'm the instructor and script consultant here at On the Page. Joining me as guests are Alicia and Steve. Alicia Lomas Gross, am I saying that right? Yes. And Steve D'Arcangelo. Mm-hmm. Nice to see you. And um, Alicia and Steve are. Um, writers in my Sunday writers group, and I asked them to stay behind today, (laughs) which they're totally (laughs) regretting, to do a little podcasting because I thought that it would be fun to actually go through finding a story that was inspired by something in real life and sort of uh, go through the steps of that story and build it out and build it out and build it out until it is a movie. And as we go through the steps with Steve and Alicia at home, (laughs) the (laughs) listeners at home, you guys can do the same steps and it can be really fun. So they've never done this before. You've never heard this before. I may never have taught this before. Perhaps. Um, so, but we're going to do it. We're going to do it. Before we get going, maybe um, we should find out a little bit th- more, though, about Steve and Alicia. Um, Steve D'Arcangelo, you have come up on this show before. You've heard your name being taken in vain, right? I, I've heard people attempt a Boston accent to uh, <laughs> invoke my name, yes. <laughs> I'm sorry. I can't help it. it was, it's funny. Um, but also, Steve, uh, one of the reasons that we bring you up is you've had uh, a lot of success with, uh, I keep calling it the bird script, <laughs> but it was an animated uh, spec that you wrote, and it was about, it's called Canaries in a Cold Mine, Canary in a Cold Mine. Can, yeah, singular. Singular. <laughs> and uh, why, don't, why don't you uh, tell people what happened with it, because it's, it's done very well. Um, it became a semi-finalist in the Nickel Fellowship a couple of years ago, and that Got me some meetings, some meeting greets, and it got me a manager, um, which eventually got me an ex-manager. But that's beside the point. But <laughs> but it got me a manager who got me into meetings, uh, including one at Sony Animation, where I struck it struck it um, struck it up with a creative executive there, who to to this day I maintain a, a relationship with. I, I call him every couple months and pitch new ideas for you know. So nothing's clicked yet in regards to. Um, actually selling something but the guy keeps you know keep coming back keep coming back keep coming back something will click eventually and that was a big door to open with this particular executive so yeah it's great it's been great and it's um and that that actually led to uh not just pitching every couple months but initially it led to one big pitch where i pitched an idea uh, and it is an idea that they actually already had the slightest inkling in development and you know and said hey we already we were thinking in that realm. Why don't you come up with a you know you know a bigger pitch and come on in? And I ended up pitching with the creative executive to the head of animation. At, I'm sorry, the VP of animation development at that time. And 
And that was great. That was, uh, you know, so that was all off of the Canary script. So that was very, very cool. Yeah. I was happy with that. Yeah. So, so uh, we're good, in good hands here with Steve D'Arcangelo. He's going to be, uh, like I said, one of my guinea pigs today. And uh, second guinea pig is Alicia. I, I shouldn't have... <laughs> I can't follow Steve. <laughs> no, actually, I think Alicia was actually on the show years ago because your day job is pretty sexy. You are a forensic scientist. This is true. Yes. So we were like, what does a real forensic scientist do? And you were like, none of the stuff on NCIS. Thank exactly. You or CSI. Um, but uh, you write, what's so funny is, you know, you have this this job that's very serious, but you, you love writing romantic comedies. I do. Comedies, romantic comedies. I... Yeah, I have no desire to write a straight-laced uh, procedural forensic science-related show because it's your job, right? It's just yes, uh, and it just kind of bores me. But I mean, that's what movies are for, right? Like yes. you sort of get you out of like yes. your, your day to day. Yeah, and you and Steve actually uh, collaborated on a short. Last year, right? Yes. And it, it won. Uh, what, what competition was it? it, it well, got- it recently won um, Best Comedy Short Screenplay at the Hollywood Comedy Shorts Festival. And then it was a finalist at the DC Shorts uh, Screenplay uh, Festival. And so it was, we both of us went to Washington, DC, where they did a live read of it. Table read. Yeah. Table read, yeah. It was great. That was fun, right? Yeah, it was a lot of fun. It was fantastic. Directing <laughs> all the actors and everything and just... It was good. We got to cast it. It was a lot of fun. You had a cast of thousands, didn't you? <laughs> well, ten. Yeah, <laughs> yeah. It was a large, which a large compared, cast compared to everyone. All the other table reads were three or four. So by comparison, they had to bring in an extra chair. So yeah, I guess it was a cast of thousands. <laughs> and you guys commute to to the Sunday group. Yes, mm-hmm. but let's just be very clear. They are not married. <laughs> Steve is married to somebody else, but Alicia is, for all intents and purposes, his script wife. I have, I, have, I hereby, I hereby spouse. Yes. Yes. script spouse. So, um, so Alicia and Steve, let's get started. And everybody who's listening, let's get started on trying to find a story that is motivated by something that happened in your own past, but. Remember, everybody listening, this is not something that has to be biographical. This does not have to be true. As a matter of fact, we're going to spin it so that it might be really far from the truth. It is just a way in to find your new project, and that's what we're going to go for. So the first thing, Steve and Alicia, is I want you to divide your life into five-year increments. Okay, so everybody out there, think about 1 through 5, 5 through 10, 10 through 15, 15 through 20. The older you are, the more life increments you get to pull from. How about that? Life older people have the advantage with this particular exercise. Okay? okay. So, Steve and I are both very advantaged. <laughs> I was very, very young. So, so you only have a couple of... But So what I want you guys to do is, based on one of these five-year increments... Find a memorable moment that comes to mind. Okay? A memorable moment that comes to mind. And uh, you got it? Are you mm-hmm. thinking about it? Mm-hmm. Yeah? Mm-hmm. All right. Okay. Um, so, why don't, Alicia, why don't we start with you? What life segment is this in? This is probably around the age of 20, so college. Okay, all right. Yeah. And uh, what was the memorable moment? Um, so at that time, I'm going to totally be dating myself. Um, Rent was the big musical. It was the Hamilton of its time. And so uh, at the time, they had uh, 
a lottery essentially for the first two rows. They were $20 each. And so you had to camp out in front of the theater, like literally camp out. And if you were within the first, like, I don't know, 20, 40 people, then you would get the $20 seats in the first two rows. So my friend and I decided to, uh, so I went to school um, in New Haven, Connecticut. And so we decided to take the train the night before and then camp out to get our rent tickets. Okay. All right. So that's the memorable moment. Steve, what, what life increment, what uh, life segment is this from? I chose life increment, uh, er, also early 20s college. Um, but I have other ones here if you'd like me to choose for variety. Oh, well, I don't know. Maybe, maybe you'll end up going to one when I ask you the next question. The, okay. So, so, so what, was, uh, what, what event are you thinking about? The college one was actually spring break um, in Cancun at uh, Planet Hollywood in Cancun where I was kind of mistaken for... I went there with a bunch of friends who had been drinking. And uh, at one point, I had to go use the men's room and I went... And there's about 12 of us at the end of the day. You know, everyone's kind of sunburned and kind of tipsy. And I just had to go use the men's room. And I went in the men's room and when I came back out, on the way to the table where my friends were, I I had a couple of um, security guards come up to me and discreetly say trying to escort me out and saying, sorry, sir, we don't, we don't really endorse drug use here. You're going to have to leave. Like, what? What are you talking about? Yeah, we don't, we don't really. And they're trying to be very discreet, to which case I couldn't understand. I'm like, what are you trying? And they were basically accusing me of taking drugs in the bathroom, which set off a couple of red flags. One was, how did you know I was in the bathroom? Like, are there cameras? I don't understand. I didn't see any of you guys in there. And two, what did I do that made you think that I was doing drugs? Because I wasn't doing drugs. Spoiler alert. I was, you know, not doing that. All I could think of is I had a running, I had allergies. I was allergic to something down there on the beach. And so I was in there. So you were wiping your nose all the time. Yeah. Ah. But they had, they must have had some kind of camera thing that was on me. And, uh, and they mistook that for doing cocaine or something. Sure, Steve, whatever. Okay. So we have Alicia who has camped out it, overnight for rent tickets, and then we have Steve, who uh, was mistaken for a drug dealer while in Cancun. All right, so what we're going to do now is ask the next question. So everybody listening, this is the next question. If circumstances were different, what could have happened? Okay, so I want you to think in terms of genre. What is the oddest thing that could happen? Or what was the funniest thing that could have happened? Or the scariest or the most bizarre, or the most thrilling. Okay, so if circumstances were different, what could have happened? Okay, anything coming to mind? Um, to turn it dark, I guess, because we were in New York City, we could have been robbed. Okay, could have been could have been robbed. All right. Okay. What about you, Steve? I guess uh, I could have been actually mistaken for like a drug dealer, like uh, like I ended up in in real life. I ended up arguing with them, you know, asking, like, well, let me see the tape. Let me see the-. I actually thought it was my friends pulling a prank on me, and it ended up not being that. Um, but they ultimately, I put up enough of a stink, wanted to see this video, and they ultimately decided that they made a mistake, and I went back to the table, and that was it. But I guess the spin could be that they actually, you know, arrested me and did whatever they do to actual drug dealers. Okay, so so uh, the, the worst-case scenario for you absolutely mistaken as a drug dealer and 
and now they've taken you away because they, they have ID'd you as a drug dealer. Mm-hmm. Okay, so we're going more extreme with that. And for Alicia, she could have been robbed. Robbed of our rent ticket money. Robbed of your rent ticket money. God forbid. I know. And you were, um, I forget, you were sleeping in the vestibule, right? In the- uh, yeah, part of our time we were hanging out in an ATM vestibule because it was pouring rain and we had nowhere else to go. Okay, so you were camping out there. Yes. And uh, you could have been robbed of your rent ticket money. Okay. All right. Okay. So this might be the premise of your movie. Okay. Or it might at least be a launching pad to the premise of your movie. All right. So I would say Steve for you, it is definitely the premise. So, um, well, well, actually let's say that it did become a premise of your movie, Alicia, you know, robbed of your rent ticket money. We now know what the goal would be for your movie, right? What would it be? To get the money back or get some money. Get some money, right? Yes. So it would be like, we have to get the rent rent ticket money, okay? Mm -hmm. So we do. We have two premises. All right. So knowing that this is going to be the premise of your movie... Okay, um, and and again, we're not taking an entire, entire life and making a story. We're not even going for something that's true. This is just inspired by, and this focuses your script, and it's going to make your writing more manageable. So, what we're going to ask now is who the main character is. Okay, now it could be you guys. Okay, if it's you, you want to ask yourself: Do you want to stay the same age as you were, or do you want to change that? And another thing to ask is, would your movie be better served by having someone else who was present at at that time be the main character? Okay? So, you know, when you're looking back, for people who are listening, when you're looking back, you may have experienced this thing, but ask yourself, was somebody else possibly more affected by it than you? Were there consequences that would be more interesting for somebody else who was in the room? Were you seeing it through the eyes of a young person? It would be better as an older person. So um, are you the main character? And uh, if not, would somebody better be the main character who is there? What do you guys think? Well, I was there with um, my gay male friend. Mm -hmm. So... I think the two of us would be the star, but I always make everything romantic, so maybe he wouldn't be gay in the story. <laughs> and one of us has a crush on the other okay. as the night begins. Okay, so that could be interesting. So we've got two, two a dual protagonist, yes, right, and you're and and uh, it's now he's a heterosexual male. Yes. Another thing you could think about is if you keep both of you who you were. Or two gay women, whatever. Right, <laughs> you're just you're just trying to be fair, right? But but if you if you keep it that it was you and your gay male friend, it might open up more possibilities for you to meet somebody else later on. However, if it is heterosexual friend, and there you thought there were possibilities for the two of you, and you still meet somebody later on, that creates more of a triangle, right? Yes. Mm-hmm. Let's change. Let's change him to a heterosexual male friend. Okay. Okay. All right. So we've got you and the buddy that you have a crush on. Sure, that's always the case. I don't know. Or does he have a crush on you? We don't. <laughs> we don't know. All right. We got. We got the two of you. Mm-hmm. Okay. All right. And we're gonna keep him. Keep you guys twenties, right? Yeah. Okay. So Steve, Steve, you're gonna keep yourself as the uh, lead character. Um. You know, I originally thought I would, but mm-hmm. then thinking about it. Uh, the you could do like a hangover kind of spin on it where um, my friends who were there 
who from a distance witnessed this and didn't know what was going on, they they could see me literally dragged away, or that my character dragged away yeah. and be like, what the hell is going on with him? And the and then it could be like like in The Hangover where the three main guys have to go find the groom. Right. You know, it could be from their point of view. That might give you more to do because otherwise you're taken to jail, you know, and you're... And I'm stuck there. Yeah, putting through the process, right? Um, you know, unless it's not the cops who mistake you for a drug dealer and it's actually like drug buyers drug or? buyers and stuff like that which could be a whole other movie mm. I don't know so if you stay if you stay the main character I think you have to go there if you're carted off to prison they have to be the main character what's it going to be Steve? Uh, I don't I kind of like uh, well for a variety since Alicia stayed with hers I'll, I'll, I'll go with the friends Okay, all right, so we have uh, that the friends are now the main character, okay, and that you are carted off to uh, Mexican jail. All right, okay, so what we've got is the next question is, do, 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 arc, okay? Mm-hmm. So if the main character is you, Alicia, I want you to think about what you know now that you wish you knew then, <laughs> Okay, and Steve, um, if it's another character, you might want to ask yourself what you think those characters will have learned from this experience. Now, if it's ensemble, if it's like three, three guys, you could even pick three different things that you think that they will learn by the end of the movie. And Alicia, this was just a weigh-in, like what do you know now that you didn't know then? But it really could just be what do your two characters, what do you think that they'll have learned or come to the realization of by the end of your movie thinking 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 that's a tough one Mm -hmm. and this goes for people who are listening this goes with the idea of character arc okay It, it character arcs don't have to be you know negative to positive. Sometimes we see the character arc of somebody turning into an anti-hero. Um, sometimes what somebody has realized by the end of the movie is that they have to sacrifice for others, which sometimes means them not even surviving. Um, so we're just talking about, you know, what could they learn in the course of this that would, would still be in keeping with the story that might be a character arc for them? Uh, I guess for my story... Um I guess you could, it could be like a, since it is college aged, it could be uh, partly a coming of age sort of story, perhaps for some of the guys in terms of like taking responsibility. Oh, yeah. For, you know, because perhaps one of them or all of them thought that maybe they set this up as a joke. You know, and it ended up being like backfiring. You know, oh, and he yeah, really maybe, was mistaken. Maybe the reason the guy is is taken to prison is because of something that they did that they thought was funny yeah. that ended up actually being taken seriously. Yeah. Oh, that's a great idea. Thank you. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Okay. And do you know? Notice how when he came up with the arc, it suddenly sort of changed what triggered the event to begin with, because now you have to figure out well, how is that all going to work. What you got, Alicia? I'm just thinking something along the lines of uh, street smarts. I mean, um, yeah. I went to Yale, so obviously not all of us are like prissy or whatever, but the, this idea that these really intelligent kids have to survive a night in New York City, that they have to rely on street smarts, not, you know. Oh, that's great. Yeah. 
good. This is also good. Oh, I love it, you guys. Okay. All right. So the next question is going to be um, uh, structure. <laughs> so now we're going to put your event on a timeline. Okay. Um, and you, for people out there, think about the sort of the classic. Act 1, Act 2A, Act 2B, and Act 3. What that means is I want you to think about does your event that we're talking about, the Mm -hmm. robbery and the mistaken, does it take place at the end of the first act? Does it take place at the midpoint? Does it take place at the end of the second act? Does it take place even at the climax of Act 3? It could even take place on the first page. Okay, so looking at your timeline, I actually made Alicia and Steve do a little timeline so that they could lay this out. Um, where do you think you might put that event, the robbery or the mistaken identity? Uh, I feel like the mistaken identity would go at the end of Act One, after yeah. after seeing you know after meeting the guys, uh, meeting the group, you know, and seeing them like like a typical sort of spring break type of movie, you know, horsing around and having fun and, and getting drunk and everything down there. And then, and then at the end of this one raucous day, they end up at this, you know, at this, uh, at this bar and, and this goes down. Yeah. Seeing them, seeing them, uh, set it up. Right. Yeah. And so, so then, and then the tra- the into act one is, Oh my God, they took that seriously. There goes our buddy. Yeah. Yep. Then, that does make sense. You know, sometimes the conventional choice is exactly what you need because that was the thing that is going to launch your movie. What about you, Alicia? Well, I'd say the conventional thing would be at the end of Act One that yeah. they get robbed. But also, I think it could work maybe as a midpoint, too. Hmm. I don't know. I don't know what the first act break would, though, if it wasn't that. It could be, it could be that they've saved up everything to get to to that that line for rent mm-hmm. and that we kind of see that and at the end of act one they're there but then they'd be robbed at the midpoint eh, no i think it would go on too long right yeah yeah probably i so yeah. I, let's say end of act one okay, okay? Yeah. so again you know this is why um why we do this why why at the end of act one we tend to have a really strong break into two because it does tend to be the launch of your premise and that means it tends to be the big problem that that creates your movie and your 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 movie goal basically and that's what both of you guys came up with so end of act one but for people who are listening that memorable moment might not have been so movie premise worthy it might have just been a scene that you remembered in your head you know something that you witnessed that was shocking or made even more shocking by how you spun it and maybe that is end of act two kind of stuff maybe it's third act climax kind of stuff so do feel free to move it around and see where it would best fit. Um, now, that brings us to the rest of the story. Okay, And remember, we started with um, qualifying this event as if circumstances were different, it would be this heightened. Okay, So those circumstances are going to be what we add to the line, timeline to create the story. So simply put, those circumstances are what comes before the event and what springs off of it. Okay, so we're just talking about what leads to it, and then boom, the, the, the other half. So you already told, told me, Steve, what you think led up to it in Act 1, right? We have like that conventional thing, and they pull some kind of uh, trick on him, yeah. right? And then it backfires. So you know what's there. Right. So now you've got to think, 
what could possibly spring off of it? You know that they have to go through Cancun to find them. What else? Anything else that comes to mind? Um, you mean in terms of like obstacles or you mean like actual... Yeah, like if you were going to say, so they have to do this thing in order to find him. Well, we know that they have to go, you know, search him out through Cancun, but there could also be an activity that they have to do in order to get him back. Um, they could, it could come down to uh, possibly... Well, they, I would imagine at first they would be, you know, not taking it serious like mm-hmm. they usually do. And then eventually they get to the point where they realize what's going on and end up um, possibly having to track down the real drug dealer Ooh, okay. who he was mistaken for. And, oh, that's cool. Maybe they make a deal with the cops, right? Like yeah. the cops are basically like, if they do find him, they, the cops might be like, yeah, I'm sorry, you don't have anything to prove it. And we've been looking for this guy. And oh, we'd rather so they, have your guy than nobody. And maybe they're like, okay, if we find the real guy, right? Right. So then, it, yeah, then it becomes like, uh, like Dorothy and the, you know, they have to go, Dorothy has to go track down the, what do you call it? The, right. Um, get the broom of the Wicked Witch of the West. Yeah, yeah. yeah. And so in this case, in this case, the wizard would be the Mexican police. Okay. And, uh, and the, uh, and the, the broom would be, uh. The real drug dealer. Okay, so what you could do is you could even do that maybe end of Act 2, which is where they have it in The Wizard of Oz, or you could do it the midpoint. Like they spend all of Act 2A trying to get to him. They finally get to the cops. Probably be the midpoint. And they say, okay, well, find us this. And maybe by the end of Act 2, you've got them confronting the real drug dealer and having to do that. What do you think? I like that flow. Okay. All right. Okay, that works. Okay, Alicia. All right. So we know that they're off to get their rent money Mm -hmm. in New York City. So many possibilities for getting rent money. (laughs) (laughs) What do you think they do? I have a a feeling they probably do things the conventional Yale girl way. (laughs) Call in mommy a, and daddy. In Act 2A, right. Yeah. And then a midpoint event is going to force them to do something in an unconventional way. So let's imagine they do all the conventional things that they would have to do and maybe even mm-hmm. get in trouble for it, even deeper trouble, right? Yes. They're not even supposed to be in New York and you know all mm-hmm. this stuff, right? What could be the midpoint event that makes them have to do something even more interesting to get money? Well, I was thinking of somehow separating them. Okay. So cool. that they're each alone in New York City. Oh, nice. Yeah. Hmm. I don't know if there's an argument or something like that where they end up, or they get lost. I wonder, though, if we, if, and tell me if this is too conventional, but I wonder if we put that at the end of Act 2, right? Like, again, that low point, that all is lost, crisis kind of moment, mm-hmm. is often estrangement when it comes to oh, that's romantic true. comedies or, mm-hmm. you know, so that could be interesting, like... But that still leads us to, in Act 2B, what were they doing that led to that estrangement? You know? What do you think? Because we don't want them separated from most of the movie, you know? Right. So, in Act 2B, what do you think that they might try to do to get money? If you're in New York and you're suddenly desperate for money and you've asked mommy and daddy and you've exhausted all the conventional ways, what could you do? (laughs) (laughs) That's, like, not (laughs) R-rated? I don't know. Could be an R-rated movie. Who knows? Makes me think of Adventures in Babysitting when they went to sing in that club, you know. Okay. Yeah. All right. Um, That's not R-rated. No, I know, I know, I know. Um, What could they do? 
Well, let's start with what are their dreams? You know, like, is there something that the two of them are actually good at? Remember, they'll do anything to get into rent, Mm -hmm. right? So what are they good at? And let's make it slightly different that maybe they think that a bastardized version of that is something that they could do in Act 2B to make money. Any, anything that they're good at? Hmm. Well, my friend and I, we were in a theater group together, so maybe one of them wants to be an actor. Okay. All um, right. And in New York, how, how can you like act for money in a pinch? Like some sort of street performance. Okay. All right, so that could be really Paint funny. Paint yourself gold. Yeah, exactly. Oh, my God, that could be hilarious. He paints himself gold. Oh, my yes. God, this is so funny. Uh, what about the other character? What do you think? Hmm. What? Yes, Steve? Uh, well, there's always prostitution. <laughs> Steve just says... No brainer, Steve right? just Isn't points to the elephant in the room. How did that happen? It's just like... What about what about that? Well, but you know, I mean, accidental prostitution mm. could be interesting, right? Yes. So if you think that you're going into a situation because you're a great dancer, you're such a great dancer that rent is, you know, you always see everything on Broadway, you know. <laughs> be someone's private dancer. Be somebody's private dancer. That could be interesting. So Act 2B is fraught with possibilities of where you could go that would eventually get so bad that the two of them would even leave each other at the end of Act 2 or be split up in some kind of of way so all right okay so what have i asked these guys what came before it and what sprang off of it that's helping you sort of figure out the big beats and notice that we put those big beats on a timeline right so midpoint event is something that now escalates uh the goal even more um so that would be the next thing to do and let's go to let's go to um, let's, let's add the character arc back in. We're going to flesh out the story more, but we're going to do it by bringing that arc back in, okay? So uh, we're going back to the fact that our Yaleys need street smarts and the fact that our, our spring breakers need responsibility. And I want you to look at your timeline, and everybody who's listening, look at your timeline. And I want you to mark on your timeline Randomly, but equally, like at equal parts of your timeline, five incremental stages of development. And all you have to do is just put X's, okay? Just five stages of development, an X at random points in your timeline. Just wherever we think that it Where, might. Yeah, look at it spaced out, you know? Maybe there's one in Act 1 and okay. 2, you know? That kind of thing. So just put X's there. Mm-hmm. All right. Okay. And the good thing about putting X's is it looks like your timeline's getting filled out, even if it isn't. It does okay. Look there it does. It's like it like look, makes you look smart. Okay. So now, for every X on your timeline, I want you to think about a scene or an event that would push your character to a new stage in that learning. Now, you guys, we're not going to have time for you to come up with five different. All right. Darn. That's that's the overall instruction okay so you could right now just think about a scene or event that would push your character to a new stage in learning a new stage in your character arc at one of those x's pick any one of those x's and think about a scene or event that would push your character 
to that new stage in learning. And while they're thinking of this, I'll, I'll explain exactly what the point is, which is what you're doing is fleshing out your loose outline even more with specific scenes that propel the story forward. And one of the ways that we propel the story forward is we have to propel it forward based on what the character is emotionally going through and then incited to do more of. The more your character learns, the more he or she is going to make a new choice that will lead to a new event that will help him learn, that will lead to a new choice, and so on. So is there any uh, scene or event that comes to mind that could contribute toward your character arc, toward pushing your character forward in his or her character arc? Uh, well, I have all five figured out, so which one would you like Get to do Get out. First? You have not. No, Shut no, up. No. I have an extra one here, too, Alicia, if you need it. Uh, oh, look at him. Steve, no, I have none. We I came none. into this. Steve You're thought, driving yourself home. Steve thought it was a game show Tonight. when we came in. He actually brought my bell here. I have a bell. Okay. So this bell is from China. Uh, when I was in Chinese class, like I would say, you've got 10 minutes, and at the end of 10 minutes, somebody would go, and I was like, oh, <laughs> I love, I love this bell. And so they gave me the bell. So Steve thought it was a game show and that when he got something right, he could... <laughs> so Steve, if you come up with a scene right now, I'll let you ring the bell. <laughs> no, you didn't come up with a scene. No, I got, I got it. Oh, oh, yeah. do you? Okay, yeah, go for it. it. All right. Um, all right, so this is... This might be like bigger... This might be the next step in your... In, in in your process, I might have. I'm not sure, but I'll just tell you. And if it's if you think it's one of these X's, or if you think it's something, it feels like it's a bigger thing. But oh, just what is it? So the so the the friends, <laughs> the friends who. So the, all right. So it starts off with the friends being irresponsible, and one of the irresponsible things they do is they pull this prank on their friend, right? Which ends up backfiring them and gets gets the friend in trouble, and then throws them in this little adventure where they gotta you know become responsible along the way. So. Perhaps one of the things they do towards like the the end of the movie is they have to uh, they end up using they end up using the pranking thing. Uh, it comes back, but this time they prank like the drug dealer. So it ends up being them using the prank thing, but this time they're using it responsibly. So that's kind of like the thing oh, cool. that they. So the thing that they learn is. So maybe at some point there's conversations between the guys like you got to stop being so irresponsible. You got to stop and you got to grow up. And maybe by towards the end of the movie, they realize, well, you don't necessarily have to throw all that irresponsible stuff in the past and move on. You just have to use it in a responsible way. And in this case, they use it as a, it's kind of like the, you know, flipping your flaw sort of thing yeah, and turn it exactly. into an asset. So, exactly. so I guess that would probably be like the, that would be the last, last X, X yeah, right? That's, that's great. That's, so I guess I did skip ahead. No, no, it's great. Cause you, so you, you, you know, all those X's got filled in along the way with other scenes, but then they, like you said, they turned their flaw into a skill, which mm. is something we talk about all the time on this podcast and in class about, about developing your character instead of losing the flaw that you develop the flaw and you figure out what the positive aspects are. All right. I like it a lot. Okay. Did can, I, anything... can, I, can I ring the bell? Uh, yeah, okay. I... Go for it. All right. <laughs> Alicia, if you don't have anything, it's okay. Cause we can move on to the next thing, but anything come to mind for you? <laughs> Well, I was thinking, so one of the characters would be um, overly dramatic um, and then maybe also not like confrontation, like I don't like to confront people. So maybe one of the last kind of exes would be finding the people who robbed them 
and having to confront them, but using being overly dramatic in their overly dramatic way, they're confronting the robbers. Oh, I love that. I love that. So if they've often pretended to be somebody and it's just Mm -hmm. their way of like not having to actually connect with the world, they use that to connect and to, that's great. And they find their street street smarts. (laughs) Now here. That deserves a bell. Ring ring the bell. Ring the bell. Yeah, baby. Woohoo. All right. Okay. So this is good. So, so we're, see what we're doing. We're fleshing out this timeline even more. Um, and now we're going to have even more fun with the story. Ha ha ha. Cause we're having so much fun. How could there be more fun? (laughs) And we're going to think in terms of other scenes and set pieces. And this is going to put even more meat on the bones of your story. So first, I want you to take into consideration the main character's relationship with another character. Okay? The main character's relationship with another character. And what story-specific activity can you add on your timeline that would deepen or test that relationship with another character? And this relationship could be a friendship, a romance, an antagonistic relationship. Um, so, so right now, I want you to think about story-specific activity okay, that you can add to your timeline that would deepen or test a relationship with another character. A go. Well, I was thinking since it takes place, you know, Rent, one of the characters, and if they were romantically, one of them was romantically interested in the other one somehow that character would wind up on stage in the middle of Rent and then have to, I don't know, sing or perform or say something to the other one who's in the audience. Oh, that's great. That's really great. (laughs) Before I die of AIDS, (laughs) I need to tell you that. No, that's not not a song in the... No. No? Okay. We'll listen to the soundtrack That's the South Park version of uh, (laughs) of Rent. (laughs) That's the only version I know. (laughs) That's the South Park version. Okay, what... what, what about you? Um, it just occurred to me yeah. that there should be a girl involved. One of these guys befriends a local or maybe a local girl or another. Oh, I know. A girl who works at the um, the the place where they stay, the uh, inclusive what are those things called? All inclusive resort. Resort, yeah. So maybe at a girl. At least it's like immediately like she could probably list you five of them right now. <laughs> oh, well, there's sandals and that uh, there's a I've yelled club all of them. And uh, okay, we'll go with the sandals one. Okay, and um, and it's a woman who it's a girl who works there as a as a bartender, mm-hmm. and uh, one of the guys has a crush on her, and she speaks the local language and she knows kind of the local locals. And so maybe she is a local. Yes. Yeah. 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 And, uh, and perhaps in the beginning, you know, he tried to hit on her and, you know, just was like obnoxious about it. Um, but now he actually like sincerely needs her help and has to go back to her. And she kind of helps the guys get to, uh, their friend, the, the incarcerated one. Cause she knows like local, she knows like the local, um, you know, police and, uh, oh, maybe her brother is on the police force. Ooh, I like that. I like that. So you have like a, a help from an unlikely mm-hmm. source. Which- yeah. And then, and so then, so then the, the relationship would be, uh, would basically be one of these guys and this girl who, um, didn't hit it off in the beginning because he was again, irresponsible, you know, just kind of obnoxious. He ends up kind of growing up a little bit in regards to that. And, um, and she ends up helping him and, not that they end up together in the end, but there's uh, some kind of uh, understanding where he's matured a little bit, at least in her eyes. And uh, that would be, yeah, that would be the relationship. Yeah, I think that would work. I like also what you said about like 
part of their irresponsibility is being obnoxious to her right up front, you mm. know, because, you know, spring break, you get a group of guys, you get a, a, a local woman, and, you know, to, to have to make good on doing something stupid, you know, is, I think, would, would really show character growth. And also, you wouldn't think she would be really likely to help. Mm. So he would, that person would really have to earn her help. And uh, and that could be interesting. And just cool. for the record, I just made that up. That didn't actually happen in real life. There was nothing about. Dude, that you guys are making up all of this okay. stuff. That's the point. None of my this wife is, might listen to this, and I. No, you know, okay. this is inspired by a true event, right? This is this is just taking it all the way. Okay. Um, okay. So uh, so what have we did, done here? Oh yeah. So we've put the key moments on the timeline and the activity that would alter that relationship. And note, this was activity, not conversation, which was great. Okay? So if you guys are doing this at home and you're like, what would be that activity? And be like, oh, they fight about, uh, they discuss, they plan. I want you to change that to a verb. What do they actually do? Well, I guess those are verbs. (laughs) Better verbs. Gosh. Action verbs. Action verbs. Thank you. Thank you, Alicia. Alicia went to Yale. I did not. (laughs) Okay, so the the next thing is to find set pieces within the story. And by set pieces, I mean cool moments of action and activity that also bring out the genre. So right away, you know, if you're thinking, if you're doing a horror movie, you want to think about a really cool horror moment, romantic moment, thriller moment, whatever that is, if you're doing this at home, add it to your timeline right now. Just like a really fun scene that's great for the genre. For you guys, you know what genres you're working in right now, okay? So um, add one, you know, even if it doesn't really make sense to the story right now, if you have like a really fun set piece in your head, dealing with Mexico or dealing with New York or Broadway or any of these things, or kissing in the rain, I don't care. Put it in, okay? What, what do you think it would be and where might it go? Hmm. <laughs> <laughs> yes, Steve. <laughs> I have one. Um, it would be dealing with a, and this might happen before they, they get the help of the girl. I'm thinking this is like a stumbling block where the guys are just trying to get out there. Because the, the key is like everywhere on the resort is safe, mm-hmm. but outside the resort, that's, that's the danger zone. But they have to go outside the resort to go get their friends. So they end up um, hailing a cab and the cabbie can be someone who, you know, they don't speak the language mm-hmm. at all. So they're trying to navigate with him and it ends up being a, uh, the cabbie ends up kind of, you know, um, planning on robbing them, uh, taking them, you know, pretending to take them where they want to go, but mm-hmm. is actually taking them to like some pre-planned back alley type of place where, you know, he has like sketchy guys who are just going to rob these guys. And well, maybe, maybe those sketchy guys are exactly who they're looking for. Wouldn't that be great? Yeah, it would. So serendipity? It oh, would. It oh, would do I great. get to ring the bell now? Yeah, All right, bell. I'm That's a good it. idea. Yeah. Okay, so it's like it's like sort of bad luck, you know, begets good luck in a way in the fact that yeah, this is a scam and the scam has always worked out, but with with henchmen of the of the, the bad guy that, that they're they looking for. The exactly. So it actually leads them closer to where they want to go. That's good. All right, cool. What what about you, Alicia? Um, I was thinking of a couple things. One going back to the one of the characters having to, or finding themselves in the middle of rent. Um one of the big production numbers is Mimi's she's this dancer and she's like high up 
like, I don't even know what you would call it. It's like scaffolding, like doing these sexy moves. Mm -hmm. Like, and so I don't know, one of the characters having, finding themselves either like having to do that or something like that. Cause that takes a lot of skill. What, you know, those actresses that played Mimi had to do. That's true. Um, or I don't know. And then this kind of goes back to like Seinfeld making fun of the fact that all the pizza places in New York are all like rays or original rays or mm-hmm. variations. So somehow directions involving rays and getting mixed up with all the different original rays. And, and just going back to your Mimi thing, you can actually learn a lot of Mimi moves <laughs> by just being in New York for a day. You know yeah. what I mean? So like by the time they get to that, you know, something that they might have thought was shocking in New York could be exactly what was used. And I love, like, trying to get from pizza place to pizza place, and it's all named the same thing. Yeah, that would be really great. Um, I, I kept, when I was in Italy, I kept seeing, I think it was Sale or something like that, and I kept saying, there's a, there's a store here, it's called Sale or something. And it turned out that that's the Italian word for sale. <laughs> <laughs> and I just kept, yeah, I was an idiot. Okay, again, not even close to Yale. So, so guys, this has been pretty good. I mean, you've, you've actually filled out your story with a lot. Now, notice we haven't completely solved the problem in Act 3, um, but you've got enough there to maybe help you brainstorm Act 3. Let me tell you, for people who are listening, all of the things that Steve and Alicia did and that you did because you've been playing at home. Yay! Okay, so you started with a five-year segment in your life. You found a memory from that segment. You spun it with a what-if based on the genre, taking it to its extreme until you found a worthy movie premise. You made decisions about who the main character is and what that character would need to learn. You put your event on a timeline. You then decided what would come before and after that event. Then you added more events that would help the main character achieve new stages of learning. You then added scenes that would deepen a relationship and more scenes that would bring out the genre. And today you have a movie, or at least the beginning of one, and it all started with something from your own life, which means it's original and all yours. How about that? Yay! Yay! You guys did that. Pretty good. That is great. All right. All right. Now, remember, we only did this in 45 minutes and, you know, nothing's going to be perfect, (laughs) right? But it's the beginning of something. And I'm hoping that if you guys try this at home and, uh, and actually finish your draft, will you, if, if you would write me and let me know that you did that, that would be awesome. Or at least that you're, you know, you were inspired to, and you're, you're on a new movie story. That would make me so happy. You can email me at Pilar at on the page TV. And what you will get in return is a really big attaboy or girl. There you go. You will ring the bell in their honor. I will ring the bell in your honor. Um, I'd also like to take this moment to thank uh, a few people who've donated to the podcast. Vicki McWilliams from Albuquerque, New Mexico donated $50. Vicki has been listening to the show for a long time. I've consulted with her. She's great. Hello, Vicki, and thank you. Welbin Salam from Pittsburgh, California. Do you know there's a Pittsburgh, California? I do. It's in the Bay Area. There you go. Pittsburgh, California. He donated $176.57. Dang. I know. He's a baller. I know. I don't, but That's I, a very I'm, specific number. It is very specific. I'm like, if I add them all up, what does it mean? I don't know. There's got to be some kind of Da Vinci Code sort of uh, <laughs> code, you know, secret message. There. Next movie. Where do we put it on the timeline? What is I don't the know. coefficient of this answer? And the Maybe he gave you a certain amount so that when PayPal takes out its fees, then it 
Does it become a round number? I don't know. Huh. Perhaps. That would be very nice of him. But either way, $176.57 is a That's lot of nice. That's really generous. And as is $50. As yes. is 5 bucks. We'll take anything. If you guys want to donate to the podcast, just go to onthepage.tv and go to the podcast part. And then there's a little donate section. And what that does is pay for the producers. Notice how there's no producers here? If you want some, you got to pay for some. <laughs> <laughs> That's basically how it goes. Um, also, just a reminder that the rewrite weekend is coming up. Oh, by the time this is out, I don't know if it'll even, it might have passed. So let's, let's plug something else. Um, June 11th and 12th is another rewrite weekend, and it's in London. How about that? Uh, if you are from London or want to go there, look at rewritetoolkit.com, and I'll be there. Also, New York people, I'll be in New York State at the end of June doing uh, another weekend, but it's not a rewrite. It's a, it's a brainstorming and getting it on the page kind of workshop, and that is through the Omega Institute. That sounds very scientific. Doesn't it? It doesn't sound like where you would be cloned. Yes. Yeah. So I might Or come, AI or something like I, that. I would like a clone of me. <laughs> Not because I think I'm great, but so that I could get more things done at one time. <laughs> so yeah. One of you somebody could hang out here at the writing group. <laughs> somebody else could be home with my kids, you know? I I I'd like that too. Wouldn't right you there. like yeah. yeah, you've got a you've got I a got little a son kid. who could definitely use a clone. Yeah, exactly. From a clone dad, and uh, and I can stay here and do all this. So. Yeah, that'd be great. Hopefully, though, she's taller. That's that's what I'm thinking. <laughs> so, um, so yeah, I'd love to see London people and New York people in June. And I have to thank Steve and Alicia so much. You guys have been such a good sports. Oh my god, um, Steve. You're not exactly like a Twitter person or a Facebook person or anything like that. No, but you can reach me on Carrier Pigeon and Smoke Signals, I believe. (laughs) (laughs) The best ways they can get a hold of me. Carrier Pigeon. Carrier Pigeon. You know what? And at Smoke Signals. You really should, actually. I'm not even sure what you mean by at. Is that a new technological (laughs) way of communication? All right. Well, if anybody wants to, to email a, a, an attaboy to Steve, you can go through me and I'll forward it to Steve. And Alicia, are you on Twitter? Yeah, I don't tweet much, but I am. Well, now, you, now you're going to tweet. I know. It's yeah. the Bika, T-H-E-B-E, wait, two E's K-A. Wait, wait, what? what? T-H-E-B-E-E-K-A. Cool. All right, so so tweet Alicia and tell her how great she did, and uh, um, you can always uh, go to onthepage.tv and see everything uh, about me there, guys. Thank you again. Thank, thank you, you for Steve. Thank you. thank you, Alicia. Thank you, everybody, for listening, and have, have a, a good, good writing, writing week. week. <laughs>